Hi, I'm Robin. And I'm Jacob. Welcome to our first post-2020 election episode of Fly on the Wall. We had a great conversation with our guest, Sarah Rogers, from Navigators Global. This episode was recorded on Thursday, November 5th, while election results were still being tabulated. Aside from discussing what we knew about the election at the time, we also learned more about Sarah Rogers' career in politics. Sarah Rogers currently works as Vice President of Navigators Global, LLC, a Republican government relations and strategic communications firm based in Washington, D.C. Previously, Sarah has also worked as Director of Federal Affairs for Walmart. On the Hill, Sarah served in several offices, including for Representatives Michael Conway from Texas and Randy Forbes from Virginia. All right. Thank you, Ms. Rogers, uh, for joining us on, on the podcast. Thanks um, for having me. This is very much going to be a conversation about what's going on this week. Uh, there is a lot to talk about, and I'll let, I'll let Robin kick it off. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us today, uh, Ms. Rogers. And before we really dive into what's happening this week, we just want to learn a little bit about you, our guest. So starting with a little background, you have experience working on the Hill. So um, yeah, what's your past experience in politics been like, and what are you up to now? Sure. Um, so I started out, gosh, uh, 15 years ago-ish, something like that. Um, I started out I uh, after college. I went to college at our science college outside of Philadelphia um, and went to go work at a law firm thinking I'd go the law school route um, and worked as a paralegal there. And then I jumped on a campaign um, as a volunteer doing lots of glamorous um, stuffing envelopes and going door to door and things like that. Um, just kidding. It's not glamorous, um, but just really fell in love with politics and loved it and decided, you know, maybe I should be in this instead. So I moved to DC and like a lot of other people, I, I moved with no job, which was um, pretty confusing to my parents who sent me in a U-Haul down the street um, to go to DC and um, figure it out. Um, and I did. And I worked, ended up um, finding a job. And I started off as a staff assistant uh, for my congressman from home, which was Congressman Kurt Weldon uh, from Pennsylvania. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so I worked as a staff assistant, which is um, answering the phone, um, greeting people when they come in, um, just your entry level position. And then I worked up, marked my way up uh, to a few different offices. Um, at first, because uh, like other people in DC have found my, my boss lost, so I had to find a new job. Um, and I went to go work for a few other uh, congressmen, not necessarily from my home state, but doing different policy work as legislative assistant. Um, I went downtown uh, and worked at an association, the American College of Cardiology. Um, and then, um, and this is another thing I can talk about, is just uh, job switching and how it, it really does just happen in D.C. Um, but I went back to the Hill to be a chief of staff for um, the congressman that we, from my hometown, um, Congressman Pat Meehan. Um, so I was his chief of staff. Um, and then after getting his office um, started and up and working, I went back downtown um, and I worked as an in-house lobbyist for Walmart, uh, doing their House Republican outreach. Um, was there for about six-ish years, and then um, I moved over to my current job, um, which is at Navigators Global, which is a um, an all-Republican contract lobbying firm. Um, we have about forty-five uh, corporate and association clients, um, and so I work. Uh, on their behalf. And um, yeah, this is a pretty busy time for, for lobbyists and really everybody in town and um, constantly refreshing and seeing what the latest is. And so um, 
it's an exciting time. I'm going to try not to take a quick nap during this podcast because I, <laughs> between um, my husband and I, who's also in politics and, and been on this podcast, um, but it's just been a crazy few days. Um, but um, it's an exciting time too. So uh, that's, that's some of my background and um, I'll answer any questions. So you mentioned uh, how wild it is right now. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about your experience of Election Day? How, how did you spend this past Tuesday? Yeah, so I have spent the last few elections. So um, my husband, John Rogers, who, I, like I said, it was a GU fellow. Um, he was at the National Republican Congressional Committee for uh, the last eight-ish uh, years. And um, so he would always spend Election Day, um, since I've known him really, um, at the NRC. I would usually join him there and um, you really get the best information there because everything's coming in real time. And so this was a very different election for us being home on our couch, watching it, um, got the kids to bed and um, just watched it. And like a lot of other people, pretty surprised with what was happening. Um, and yeah, it's not over yet. So um, it, it was a different experience this year, though, for sure. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that thought with us. So this election cycle has obviously had a very cluttered and busy news cycle. So what do you think should have been a greater focus of the election this year? Um, so I think it is getting some headlines, but um, some of the big surprises to me um, were really just how close everything has been. Um, so you know, we're still waiting for four states, um, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Georgia, and Nevada, um, and it'll be going into a lot of um, legal battles after this. And so that should really be interesting to see how that um, really turns out. So right now we're at 264 to 214. So um, waiting to see there. But it has really been really close in the Senate and also in the, in the House. I mean, the House, we really thought we were going to get the Republicans. We're not going, we're going to lose seats for sure. And, and we're at, I think, seven um, seven seats that we've flipped and could go up to, you know, maybe 10 or 15. Um, and I also think that there's been a lot of wins for Republican women, which I've been really excited to see too. Um, so I guess those are some of the, I mean, Susan Collins winning in the Senate was a big surprise. Um, I mean, the polls, the, the polls were wrong this year. So that's getting a lot of, um, you know, similar to what happened last time. So that's getting a lot of attention. Um, but those are kind of some of the things that, that stick out to me about what's going on and what, what I've been surprised about. So you have prior experience as a chief of staff, uh, as well as having served in a number of roles in offices of congressional representatives. Uh, if you were a chief of staff right now, what do you think you would be doing? If I was a chief of staff, well, I'd be working probably around the clock, but, um, if I was, so more, most of the members I've worked for have been from um, contentious districts. So I would probably be taking time off from my official responsibilities as a chief of staff and volunteering on the campaign. So when I went back to work for Kurt Weldon um, or when I was working before Pat Meehan was elected working there, um, I was on the ground trying to get vote, I mean, just like all of the other volunteers, going door to door, um, helping helping the member in getting getting the vote out, going to events, all those kinds of things. Um, and it's just, it's around, it's around the clock and everything's happening so fast at around this time. So that's what I would have normally been doing if I was a chief of staff um, just before election day. So earlier you mentioned the large number of Republican women that 
won congressional seats in this cycle. Um, what implications do you think this might have on the future of Congress? So um, last cycle, we really did not have a lot of um, Republican women, particularly in the House. Um, and I came from the House side, like I said, it's what I really pay um, closest attention to. Um, but the majority, they have a much slimmer, the Democrats ha will have a much slimmer majority this year in the House. So that should have implications from a policy perspective, from a um, you know, how, how they're going to, to govern. Um, and really with having Republican women in, in there should be, I mean, they did bring Republican women bring in a new, a different perspective, I think, which has been lacking. And, um, it's a real inspiration for women, um, who want to do this as their career. And, um, so it's, it's really exciting. And, you know, and there are other minorities and veterans who have been elected in the house, which is exciting. Um, and then in, in the Senate too, with, with some of those wins that we've seen. Um, but it, it really is surprising because not people necessarily didn't think that this was going to happen. So um, here we go again, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, thank you for that. And so uh, obviously 2020's election took place in some unprecedented times to use the um, Ori's phrase. So uh, what implications do you see 2020's election um, having in future elections, whether it's um, us getting used to delayed results or decreased confidence in legitimacy of the process. Um, yeah, so what future implications do you see um, in elections in America? So I guess I would have thought that um, going into this that there would have been some discussion on the Electoral College and what that means and if that is how we should proceed going forward, if it's, you know, fair or... But I, I think polling will really get a deeper... Um, a deeper look in, in how polls are done. Um, and someone like John can tell you, tell you better about, you know, reading cross tabs and, and ways that you conduct actual polls that, that they might want to do different, but that might be different going forward. Um, and then the, I would say the legal challenges now, I mean, I don't know if that that's always part of an election and there's always legal teams that are ready and waiting if there's a, a need to make sure that all votes are counted and um, everything is done in a fair way. Um, but there's really a lot now. I mean, there's, I don't know how many now, maybe four states where they're gonna be going in and, um, and, and challenging. So I, that, that might be something that's gonna happen going forward too. Yeah, uh, definitely. It'll be interesting to see um, what uh, Ellis develops um, during the next few days. So were there any states that you um, thought had interesting results, whether they didn't swing, but could in the future? Or were there any states that you think uh, we should keep an eye out for future elections? Um, so I think people thought Texas was going to be um, more Democrat than it than it was. Um, and Florida was a really big win for the Republicans. Um, I mean, my home state of Pennsylvania is still undecided. And that's been so interesting to see. But um, I think the, the suburban vote really has... Um, has been most interesting in this election. Um, and so seeing what's important to people in the suburbs and how they're voting, and is this a referendum on, on the president or are they voting on different issues? Like, um, you know, what happened with civil unrest and your position toward the police and police reform. I mean, that there are other issues that came into play, I think, for folks in the suburbs. So um, that's been really interesting to watch. Definitely. Uh so Trump has certainly shifted the tone and the focus of the GOP fairly significantly. Um, what do you think we can expect from the GOP if Trump does eke out a win? 
or if if we see a Biden presidency? Yeah. So I do think, um, you know, you know, coronavirus is going to really continue to be the focus there. So I think regardless of who wins, Trump or Biden, there will be a coronavirus, a coronavirus relief package that will pass by the end of the year, potentially. Um, but I don't think that it will be as, um, you know, everybody, the Democrats want a, a much more expensive package than the Republicans want. And there's been that and a whole lot of other problems that have um, caused it from not moving forward. So I don't think it'll be quite as big as we had maybe originally intended, but I do think something will happen. I mean, Let's hope we have a vaccine at some point soon, and there will be all kind. There might be, um, there will be efforts there to make sure that that gets out to the right people and in a safe way. Um, but in terms of other policies, I mean, I could see the appropriations bills have to go through, or a the budget, the government needs to be funded, so that that's a, a must do. Um, but you won't if you see if we have a Biden presidency. And, or Biden wins and the Senate stays control with the Republicans, you're not going to see some of the Democrat um, agenda items that you know that, that they had originally wanted, or you likely won't. So, like a tax rolling back the tax cuts, for example, that's something that the Democrats have have been saying that they wanted to do. So you might not see that now if Republicans keep the Senate. Um, thinking of some other, um, so like the filibuster repeal, that that wouldn't happen if. I don't think that that would happen if the Senate kept, um, if the Republicans kept the Senate, the Republican um, or the public option, the Green New Deal. I mean, some of those other priorities. So the, you won't see as much of a Democrat agenda or some of their big ticket priorities um, going forward. Um, but you might see some areas of compromise. I mean, maybe a transportation bill or drug pricing, which is something that um, everyone's been saying that they want to do. Um, or some other healthcare related items. So I'm hopeful that there will be compromise and, and some things moving forward, regardless of who ends up winning at the end of the day. Um, uh, but we'll see. Yeah, so you mentioned a lot about the future of American politics in terms of compromise. Looking back at the entire Democratic primary cycle, Biden was a pretty moderate choice compared to many other candidates. Should we expect the Democratic Party to push for a more progressive agenda, given what we know about the election so far? Or do you think they will adopt a more moderate agenda under a possible Biden White House? So I don't think that the the um, the left progressive agenda um, has helped them in this election. I don't think that, especially for that suburban vote, I don't think that they want that. Um, I mean, there is there is still a part of the Democrat Party who you know, and the squad and the, and those who are more far left who um, the rest of the conference or the rest of the um, the Democrat Party needs to still align with and still get along with and, and side with in order for their votes to go through. Um, so I don't know. I don't think, I think that Biden was pulled to the left a, a little bit because of, of the, of that, um, of that group. But I don't know that that is necessarily in their best interest if they're going to continue to pick up suburban votes and um, and you know keep their majorities. Thank you. So we've talked a little about both parties uh, and the implications of the election on those parties. What about um, American democracy? Uh, what do you what do you think about the state of peaceful transfer of power um, and all the discussions that are happening there? Um, absolutely. I think that once I mean the votes need to be counted and um, 
everyone's vote should count and um, there should be all kinds of efforts to make sure that there are no fraudulent um, efforts in any of these particularly battleground states. So that needs to happen. Um, and so we all need to be patient and make sure that this is, you know, who wins in the end is, is truly who America wants to, to serve as our next president um, in the next four years. Um, but certainly once that do that's done, I'm very hopeful and I imagine that there will be a peaceful um, transition of power as we've always had in, in our country, thank goodness. Um, and so I, I think that will happen. And I think everyone's ready for this election to be over and um, we're ready to move forward. And really the focus needs to be uh, in getting this coronavirus um, under control, getting a vaccine, working on our therapeutics and getting our economy um, continuing to strengthen our economy and getting our kids back to school, please. So then there's certainly a legal case to be made uh, in a lot of states by, by both sides. Uh, Trump clearly is trying to make a case in Michigan and Wisconsin, and Biden uh, will likely also have some states uh, with less than a 1% margin uh, to be called for a recount. What do you think about the legitimacy of those legal cases and how much would you expect to change uh, over the next week or so? So I think there are different situations in each state. Um, you know, there's, um, I think it's Arizona that has this, um, they were using Sharpie markers to, to fill in ballots and, that, and that's been an issue. In others, they found ballots destroyed and um, not counted properly. So I think it probably depends in each state. Um, to see how many votes can be recovered and if there really have been, if there really was a legal activity. Um, so it's hard to say what will be successful, but, and it also depends on really what the margin is going into those, um, you know, those, those legal fights. If there's a great, a, a huge, a big margin or a larger margin, then it'll be much harder to, for the, um, to, to gain control there. And, and they could last a while. Um, so it's, I mean, some of this is, is unprecedented, um, and so I don't I don't know how long it'll last. So it'll be interesting to see, um, and it may have implications for the future, like we were talking about before. Yeah, thank you so much for that thought. So bringing the conversation back to you and your career, how has Navigators Global been working during this election cycle? Sure. Um, so, <clears throat> so um, our firm um, during the election has done a lot of um, monitoring. So it's a lot of keeping up with where the elections are and particularly with members of Congress that are important to our clients, making sure we're staying, we're keeping them abreast of any, um, of any updates. And then the administration will have pretty big implications for everybody, but um, who was ever in, you know, if the Republicans, if Trump stays in or if Biden stays in, um, there's uh, a lot of implications for our companies, our clients, um, and their legislative priorities and their business and the projection of their, or how, how well their business will do in, in a different administration, for example. Um, so there are a lot of implications. So doing a lot of analysis on, you know, situations of if Biden wins and the Senate stays in Republican control and the House um, uh, stays in Democrat control, what would that mean? What are the policies going forward? So elections really do have consequences um, from, from a policy perspective, uh, which affects our corporate clients. Certainly. So what has this week been like uh, with, with Navigators Global? I mean, does everything kind of sit in stasis as you wait for results or are there a million conditionals you're planning for? 
Yeah. So normally we, we'd be in the office kind of huddled around and you know, brainstorming. And so it's really weird to be all in our respective homes. And um, like a lot of other people, I do a million Zoom meetings and calls and just trying to keep up on email and, um, and keeping each other up to date on what we're hearing. But yeah, we're running all kinds of different scenarios and um, what would this, you know, what would a um, Republican control here or Democrat control here mean for this client? And, um, and, and all of our clients need to report to their, um, to their executives or their, uh, and so making sure that um, the DC offices or the, the lobbyists understand and then that they can report then back to their business folks is really important. Yeah, thank you for that. And so once the results are finalized, uh, what does your first step back look like? Yeah, so um, after an election, um, normally there'd be a lot of hustle on, on, the, um, on the Hill and you'd be meeting new, new members and staff and offices um, in person. So it'll, it'll really look a lot different this year with coronavirus, um, but they'll have leadership. Once every, all of the races are settled, there'll be a lot of um, analysis and um, letting everybody know what's what. Um, who won, who didn't win, and then leadership elections and placing members of Congress on committees. Um, and then it's a lot of relationship building. So getting to know a lot of these new members and their staff and um, developing relationships there and connecting the Hill and the administration to our clients. So we've clearly talked about some very important stuff, uh, but here at Fly on the Wall, we do like to end things on a slightly lighter note. Uh, so we're gonna, oh, good. We're going to transition to a section that we call the lightning round. Uh, so okay. we're going to ask three very quick questions uh, and hopefully get uh, some some shorter answers on this. So, okay, I'm ready. First question: Do you have a favorite Halloween costume from from growing up? <laughs> Um, yeah, I would say probably witch, not because I'm a witch, but I remember the, the paint and I did this for my three-year-old, um, this year, but the green paint was everywhere. Um, and it looks more alarming than scary, but, um, yeah, the witch. Amazing. Um, I wish I could have seen that growing up. Um, so next question, what is your favorite book that you've read? My favorite book? Um, I would say... I don't know if I have a favorite all-time book, but I would say what I read now, it's really political stuff and um, parenting, but I am looking forward to the day where, and I look forward to flight, this is not a short answer, um, I look forward to flights when I can just sit there in the old days and just read because I don't have enough, I feel like I don't have enough time to read and most of my stuff is so short because it's, you know, emails and stuff like that, so um, that's a long answer, sorry, I'll be quicker the next one. No, you're totally fine. Um, so then, uh, last question with Thanksgiving coming up, it seems apt to discuss food. If you could have one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Favorite meal for the rest of my life. I mean, chicken Parmesan, of course. Any Thanksgiving foods that stand out to you? Oh, if we're talking Thanksgiving, I mean, leftovers. I like the turkey sandwich leftover. That okay. That's okay. okay. But of all time, I, I'd go chicken parmesan. All right, great. So that um, with that, we'll wrap up the interview. So thank you so much for um, taking the time out of your day to sit down with us and have a quick chat about the election. I know we'll be um, sitting in anticipation to see uh, what developments come in the next few days. But yeah, thank you for just sharing your insights with us. You're so welcome. It was great to talk to both of you. 
Thank you so much for tuning in to Fly on the Wall this week. Uh, make sure you follow us on social media at Fly on the Wall Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. As always, you can email us at flyonthewallpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much and see you next week.